Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Yes, it is indeed time for uh, Movies and Booze. Our WhatsApp number is 087-1400-106. Our email address, afternoon at newstalk.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter. And to remind you that uh, this day week, next Friday, uh, we'll be broadcasting from the Athlone Springs Hotel in conjunction with our friends in Marks and Spencer's for, movie, uh, for a Movies and Booze show. Two hours, bit of music, a uh, bit of chat, and of course, a lot of Movies and Booze. If you would like to be part of the audience for that, that's today week. You can go to newstalk.com forward slash events, newstalk.com uh, forward slash events. And uh, sure, we'll see you next Friday when you turn up. Uh, sitting in the studio with us uh, now are Dean McGuinness, Annette Freeman and Deirdre Malumby. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Hello. Uh, Good afternoon. There's no such thing as a beer, Dean, that you can drink in this kind of heat, uh, really, uh, other than cider. The, these ones are, are quite good beer. for us. They're, yeah. they're quite refreshing. Now, I, I had it worse uh, a few weeks ago. I was in 35, 40 degree heat. And I'd agree when you're up at that level in humidity, it starts to get hard to, yeah. to drink beer and in that kind of heat. Yeah, so the two beers today are what kinds of beers? We have tart, fruity beers. Uh, so we have got uh, Ilchje Seashore Sea Sauce Salt and Sour Peach Ghosting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, but you, like, you wouldn't dare order that, really. You just say, give me that one and point. I'm, I'm worried about the person with the lisp yeah. that orders it. Yeah, so, so, it could be a... so it's deliberately punny on, on the seashore kind yeah, of stuff. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, um, a, go, a, a fruit gose. So a gose is a sour beer with a salty flavour. And then it has the addition of peach into it as well. Okay. And the second one is Pinky and the Grain. Uh, pe- <laughs> pe- people who watch Animaniacs will know the reference. And it's a hibiscus IPA. So it's an IPA with uh, hibiscus, which gives okay. it a kind of a tart cranberry flavour. And given the names, are they both from the same producer? That, yeah, both from uh, Ilche, which is a, a craft brewery that's doing well. It's, it's winning awards left, right and centre in, in the Netherlands. It's based in Harlem in the Netherlands. And they've got a kind of birds, a kind of cartoony birds on all of their um, all, all of their um, packaging. Yeah. They, you know, they've got a touchdown IPA and uh, Super Bowl is a non-alcoholic beer uh, playing on Super Bowl. <laughs> it's, uh, okay, uh, so they have a good sense of humor. Yes, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cra- crazy Dutch humor, uh, <laughs> which actually is funny. Uh, so both... Uh, Deirdre, both of the movies today have numbers attached to them. Is this deliberate on your part that you wanted a kind of numerically themed movies and booze today? I suppose it's just that kind of time of the year. We're out of blockbuster season now. Yeah, and it is, uh, it is, they are both sequels that I'll be talking about today. And not only that, but they're both from franchises that are quite renowned for having small budgets, but making huge returns. Okay, so uh, the, the the Nun 2, I don't remember the Nun 1, actually. Yeah. Uh, um, the Nun 1. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, I didn't see the first Nun movie and I'll tell you why. Because do you remember when the trailer for this came out? No. So this, it was absolutely terrifying. Like I full on jumped when I was watching it in the office. It's absolutely horrifying. Um, And not only that, but they also had a trailer that was like a pre-roll kind of ad on certain like YouTube videos. And that was eventually banned because apparently it was like giving people like heart attacks. Now that's what they say, but that's kind of what the Nun franchise, I suppose, has become more renowned for now than anything are those um, uh, 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 original trailers. Okay. So yeah, there you go. Okay, so 
a sequel. All right. So, so The Nun is kind of a horror thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's most yeah. definitely a horror. It's not like, you know, Sound of Music type nuns that we're no. talking about here. Okay. <laughs> uh, and is is it The Nun who's the baddie or yes. The Nun fights the baddie? No, The Nun is the baddie. The Nun is the baddie. Yeah. Uh, nun. Yes. These, uh, this is a character from uh, The Conjuring universe. So people might remember The Conjuring movies. They're ah, also right. responsible for, uh, you know, that Annabelle, the creepy doll. So The Nun is another one of those monsters from the franchise who's managed to get her own spin-off movies. Okay. Are they specific as to whether it's a real nun or just somebody pretending to be a nun? So it's like a demonic nun and her name is Veloc. So. Veloc. That doesn't sound like a nun's name. Yeah. But, you know, just to avoid she offending have people. She doesn't sister. So, is is yeah. it like a Catholic nun or a Protestant nun? Or, oh, Catholic, yeah. Catholic. yeah. Oh, to- oh, right. So they yeah. go full, uh, full offensive then towards Oh yeah, uh, towards <laughs> I believers. Mean, I don't want to kind of give did it away. You, but Did you teach she... this nun at all? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to kind of give it some, away. But... Some people listen, I might know one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't give away too much. And um, uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. Yes. Now, is this like, do they have My Big Fat Greek Divorce in between these? Or, or how does that work? No, no, they've had a Big Fat Greek Wedding in each movie. So people uh, might not remember the, the sequel because I certainly didn't, even though I saw it in 2016. Uh, but in uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, the first film we follow, uh, Tula, who is played by Nia Vardolos, who's also responsible for writing the trilogy. And it's actually based on her own life as she married an American, which is all very kind of controversial. And then in the first uh, sequel, which was released in 2016, uh, Tula's parents discovered that their uh, marriage license isn't actually legitimate. So they have to go and get married again. And then in uh, this movie, I don't kind of, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say where the wedding comes into it but basically um, it's this film is all about going back to the Greek roots uh, so Tula and her family decide to uh, go back to the town uh, where her father is originally from to kind of reconnect with those roots and also carry out the final wish of their beloved patriarch who has sadly passed away. Okay and but is this increasingly flimsy pretext to kind of crowbar a wedding somewhere into the film? Yeah pretty much. Yeah okay that's uh, not, not entirely surprising and Nettie okay and Ephraim is here to tell us about some uh, Hollywood news. The first exciting Hollywood news is uh, about now. I think this is finished. It's it's it's. Where is it going to debut? This film, The Land of Saints it's, and Sinners. This is so it, it, it's debuted at the Venice Film Festival in in recent days, um, but it will eventually end up on Netflix next year as, as a movie. Okay. Obviously, um, I think we have a, a clip of it. Oh no, we do because this we, is like it's, it's at Venice. <laughs> I think uh, we need it, to set the this scene. This is a sensitive. Uh, this is Liam Neeson playing completely against type. Uh, this is, uh, and listen carefully now for the sensitive dialogue uh, and the finely nuanced accents. Try and do some good before you find yourself here. My girl, my girl, don't lie to me. Finbar Murphy. I'll have something else for you in a week or so. I've been thinking, been a lifetime of. Poor choices I've made. In the past, in the past, How many people have you killed altogether? There's more to me than this. I'd like folks to see it. I'm trying to find a friend. What's the name? Finbar Murphy has done something unforgivable. You can give him a message. We'll tear right through this godforsaken place. No one will be safe. 
explosion left six dead. Fimar, what is it that you did? I lost track. Long ago. The saint's gotta be a sinner first, don't he? Now, as you heard there, that uh, film is set in a godforsaken place. Uh, Who's in this film? Because this is a long list of should have known better. Should have known better than to do their Irish accents even more in force than yeah, what they need yeah. to be. Um, Liam Neeson, obviously Kerry Condon, Jack Gleeson, Colin Meany, Kieran Hines, Sarah Green. Mother like a God. really yeah. stellar list of uh, actors there. But um, yeah, it, it, that is the trailer for Saints and Sinners. Um, Finbar Murphy played by Liam Neeson. He's a retired assassin um, eager to leave his past behind him. And um, no, really? until a group yeah. of IRA terrorists show up in this small Donegal town it's obviously led by um, Darren, who's played by Kerry Condon. Um, that accent is particularly bad there. There was a line in there that I was like, ah! A God forsaken um, town, yeah. 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 So um, they've come to the town in Donegal to lie low after a botched bombing in Belfast. It's obviously set in 1974 against the backdrop of the Troubles. And um, yeah, there's plenty of action uh, it's it's not particularly good action. Lots of uh, <laughs> fighting and and shooting and kind of like a western style vibe to it. Well, that might, that um, might be a bit of crack, but it might be a bit of crack. The, yeah, the, the, look at it has got extremely harsh reviews since it, it, yeah. it debuted at the film festival in Venice this week. Um, you know, the Hollywood Reporter uh, have compared it to Wild Mountain Thyme, um, <laughs> oh, which is not a good sign. Watch no, it. Watch it now. I, I <laughs> A pretty savage review yeah. of of the Irish accents that have that have been done, um, but look, Donegal is supposed to look really pretty in it. Yeah, and uh, well, we you'd have to be have a blind cinematographer for Donegal. That's 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 uh, I would have thought, but like Kerry Condon, like you know, she's at the Oscars, and yeah. then ah, this godforsaken place, you know. Yes, it's, crikey, the poor thing. It's, it's hard to believe that I they know. would need to uh, try and do that. Maybe, yeah. Well, maybe she did. She did it before the Banshees or something, or, or, yeah. or you know, these this often yeah. happens. It could be years old. This thing. I mean, it's a paycheck at the end of the day. I, no, I, I didn't really care. To be too, yeah, yeah. This is too cynical. <laughs> but I think could Liam Neeson? Would Liam Neeson not be in a stage of life now that he doesn't have to do another terrorist movie? He's an ex, you know, <laughs> hitman who you know comes out of retirement one but, last time to murder he, another forty people. Maybe nobody's spoken to yeah. him and said it yet. Liam, yeah. it's time to. <laughs> I think Stop he just now. absolutely loves doing these films. Like he he's described um, doing action movies as making him feel like a kid in a candy shop. So he clearly absolutely loves this genre. Makes him feel. Yeah, but he can't has to say that. He can't say yeah. I'm really bored doing this stuff. <laughs> but he could just say no. I was in you Schindler's know? List. Yeah, but he's and he's done Martin Scorsese in between. You know those yeah. action movies. He was in Silence back in um, what year would it have been? 2016 or something like yeah, that. But he exactly. still, but he still exactly. goes back to My the action point. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he loves the classic template of yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. So uh, <laughs> when it comes out, it's got for taking town. Oh, you can't really. <laughs> Uh, I saw the trailer for the Nun movie last week. I nearly had an accident in my pants, uh, yes. says the texter. Uh, and somebody else says, I know that nun. She taught me in junior infants. That's Will in Limerick. So um, uh, you should go see this uh, well when it comes out then because uh, you, you'll really not enjoy it. Uh, right, so Joe Jones. No, this is like, you know, if you have one of those ring uh, doorbells on, on your, do you have one of those, the ring ones? No, they were so handy. Because you can see on your phone who's coming up to the front door or who's leaving the house. You can also, when someone's coming up to the front door, now, my missus does this to me all the time. I'm like coming home half asleep. And then she goes, hello. 
and scares the bejesus out of you. Uh, but this is a case where uh, um, Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner have split because yes. it is, he saw her doing something yeah, through the ring doorbell. The, yeah, because of something she was saying or doing on the ring doorbell. He He's seen it and now they have, and it was the, the footage was captured and now they've decided to part ways after a four-year marriage. We, we have no confirmation about what he heard her seen. It's pure speculation. Sure. There well, is it's not good. There is an, another narrative emerging here around her being a party girl and he's got custody of the kids now for, you know, the this early part of the separation and she's been kind of, uh, you know, kind of scapegoated or been seen as the villain in this breakup that, you know, she's the party girl and that, you know, he just wanted the quiet life. But she married him quite young, I think, and she regrets now on missing out on, you know, the early part of her 20s. Um, but apparently it is a united decision and uh, that's one of the Jonas brothers. <laughs> I, th- I think she had no option yeah, uh, once yeah. he had the footage. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and, and apparently he's hired private paparazzi to picture him, you know, out doing stuff with his kids and, you know, pictured out oh, having yeah, meals. And it's yeah. kind of staged and stuff, you know, because obviously the Jonas brothers have a a, yeah. a reputation, you know, around the world as, you know, these clean boys. This won't suit the image really, yeah. will it? You no, know? but this probably but, for court purposes is probably a bit of that as well. Yeah, I guess know. so. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah, uh, one and Jonas' brother back okay. on the market. Uh, um, so yeah, if you have a ring doorbell. Yeah, my, and you can hear, it's so funny with the ring doorbells now because you can hear them. You're on Irish Rail and you can hear that, you know, <laughs> You're about to say, sorry, sir, there's somebody at your front front door. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's phone is going with the ring doorbells. But yeah, mind what you're saying or doing at the front door. Uh, Kerry Condon in this is no different to the jockey who rides a Grand National winner on Saturday <laughs> and rides in the Maiden Herden in Kilbegan on the Monday after. <laughs> so that's a kind of a healthy way of looking at it. Right, Dean, so which beer are we going to talk about first? So we're looking at Seashore Sea Saw. Salt and sour peach yeah, goes in. There's a reason why you went for that one first. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the base beer for this is a gose, which is a quite an unusual beer. It's um, we've had lambics on the show before, and we've tasted fruit lambics. Yes, and with a fruit that lambic, is sour. Uh, yes, there yeah. is a, a sour taste to it. Um, uh, uh, in Germany, there are a couple of uh, sour styles as well. Berliner Weiss is one, and uh, then Gose is another one uh, from Leipzig. Uh, now, something that's unusual with uh, this particular beer is, as well as the sour flavour. You've also got a, a quite distinctive salty flavour. Mm. Um, and then you've got the peach as well. So you've got peach aromas. You've got almost kind of a, a, a seashore uh, aroma, like kind of a sea yeah, breeze okay, type of yeah. a, aroma. And uh, they blend together. Now, uh, I, I know you don't like me using the word mouthfeel, but yes. it's really hard to avoid okay, using the word yeah. mouthfeel on this one. Yeah. Um, I don't think Deirdre's used to it. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we should have warned you in advance. Sorry, Deirdre. <laughs> I, I, I cause nightmares every time I use the word mouthfeel. Feel uh, on this one, you've got you're wearing it out now. (laughs) (laughs) You've got acidity which triggers uh, your your mouth to water. So when you drink something uh, acidic or sour, um, you you find that you you start watering in your mouth quite quite significantly. Um, Now, uh, salt is a really interesting ingredient to use because. Um, salt is sodium chloride and you've got two elements to salt. So the sodium bit of it gives you the salty bit, the taste that everybody knows is salt. Uh, chloride, um, what it does, it, it triggers some of your sweet receptors. 
So you pick up an amount of sweetness, but it triggers different sweet receptors than you might pick up from the sweetness that you're getting in the beer. Mm. So you get a kind of a rounder sweetness, a fuller, rounder sweetness. So you've got the acidity, you've got the uh, saltiness, you've got a rounder sweetness, you've got the peach, which gives a kind of a luscious, rich mouthfeel, which is then cut through by the carbonation and the acidity and the uh, saltiness. So it's just a whole pile of different things going on in the mouth. Yeah. Beautiful peach flavours in it. Now, uh, uh, you were saying, you know, is, is there a beer to, to drink in hot weather? Um, this, like, will chill down really, really well and still retain flavour. I'd imagine so. It's you kind know, of can... almost sherbet-y, I would yeah, say. Yeah, there's a real sherbet yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, sensation on your yeah. on your tongue. And there, there's a funny thing with... with uh, now, some people say with beer... Um, that uh, I, I had a guy arguing with me that cask-conditioned beer or uh, nitro beer was better if you're particularly thirsty because the carbonation doesn't slow you down, that you can kind of drink mm, uh, a, yeah. a liquid without it slowing you down. But I find the more sensation you have in your tongue, the more refreshing it can seem. Yeah, That, yeah. you know, if you've got the sensation of cold or you've got the sensation of carbonation or if you've got the acidity or the uh, the saltiness all all working uh, together, that that can be incredibly refreshing. So, yeah, both, both of the beers... Um, picked to kind of look at how brewers are getting uh, tart uh, tart kind of acidic flavours into beer and then also fruity flavours into beer. In this instance, they're starting out with a tart sour base beer and then putting fruit in by adding fruit. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, with the other one, it's starting out with a fruity beer and adding an ingredient. The other way around. To, What's the ABV on? We're, we're quite respectful on this. We're at 4.2% ABV. Okay, that's all right, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah um, I'm just back from, um, I think I'm, I've been on two trips, uh, back from Belgium and... Uh, when I was in Belgium, you kind of start out on the uh, kind of seven, eight, nine, ten percent beers, and then you move to the fruit beers because you mm. know that they're going to be around three, four percent. Yeah. Uh, so they're slightly safer at kind of two, three in the morning. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, generally with fruit beers. Now there there are some exceptions. Just in case people grab a fruit beer and then blame me for it, uh, Delirium Red is eight percent ABV, and that's a, a fruit beer with mm. a, um, a cranberry and cherry, I believe, in it. Uh, so there are some that are quite a bit stronger. But most of the fruit beers tend to be around the 4%. Okay, that's, uh, that's lovely. Right, Fanula, what movie would you like to do first? Which number? Uh, let's go for The Nun 2. Let's go for The Nun 2. Do you, yeah. uh, uh, the, the Nun 2 coming up after this break. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Sister Irene. Your eminence. There has been an incident. A series of them. It's moving west across Europe, but its origins point to Romania. It can't be. The demon lives. Have you spoken to Father Burke? Father Burke is dead. How? Cholera. You are the only person alive who has dealt with something like this. The church would like you to investigate. Find out what it wants and where it's going next. Okay, that's uh, The Nun too. So is Sister Irene the goodie in this? She is, yes. And she's back. She's played by Tysa Farmiga. And interestingly enough, it's her sister, Vera Farmiga, who is the lead in The Conjuring movie. So there's a nice little kind of connection there. Okay, yeah. uh, but yeah, she's back in this movie. She is forced to once again face Valak, the demonic nun. Um, at the end of the previous movie, we would have seen that the nun actually managed to possess her friend Frenchie and Frenchie um, and Sister Irene are no longer in contact. They kind of both went their separate ways in 1950s France and he's now working at a boarding school for young girls, which means, guess what? This nun is now 
haunting these young girls. Okay, right. So what's the time period this is set, this is set in? Yeah, so I think it was 1956 France and, and she kind of ends up like travelling all across France trying to find out like, you know, exactly where this demonic nun is. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, most of the horror bits are set at this uh, boarding school. Okay. And the uh, and horror-y, without being too explicit, yes. obviously, but in what way is it horrific? Is the demonic nun killing people? Oh, or, yes. Or, yeah, okay. Quite viciously at yeah. times. Like the opening scene uh, involves this uh, priest and young boy, and I won't get ex- into exactly what happens, but there is fire. There is a lot of blood. It can be like quite gory at times. Um, I think that this franchise is really quite renowned at this stage for like its jump scares. And I jumped a lot in this film. Now, I will admit that I don't exactly like horror movies of that. So maybe I'm like the wrong person to kind of ask about it. But at the same time, I did think that even as kind of a non-horror fan, I thought that the first half was stronger than the second half and that the first half was, I thought anyway, genuinely uh, scarier. Um, like the first half of the movie, there's particularly this scene, um, I don't want to give it away too much, but it involves a magazine rack, which is one of the best and most original horror sequences I've seen in a very long time because I do think that they have a tendency to kind of repackage and and mm, just send yeah. out the same thing over and over again. The second half of the movie, and particularly when you get into the final act, I've noticed that a lot of more modern horror movies kind of almost go into like an action sequence and there are kind of two storylines and you're like trying to defeat the nun by whatever means. Um, so yeah, I, I I did find the finale to it quite disappointing. But if you're looking for scares, I think that they are there. But it's I can't compare it to the first one because I haven't seen it because I thought the trailer okay. was too scary. <laughs> okay, well no, well, no doubt people will have opinions yeah. on uh, on the first one. Yeah. The, the, now, but the, the evil nun, why yes. is the evil nun killing all these people? What Does it help give her power or is she just doing it for yeah. a laugh? Or, or? Yeah, she's, it's basically kind of the whole like trying to, you know, take shape and take over the world and stuff like that. There isn't really a reason given. She's just okay. bad. and she's vague just, in the storyline. Yeah, right? I suppose I, to be honest, I wasn't really thinking about that watching it. I was just kind of waiting in anticipation for the next jump scares. <laughs> I was okay. like, please don't, please don't make me jump uh, too much in this. One thing I will say for it, though, uh, Michael Chavez is he directed this and this is his third movie he's done uh, for the Conjuring franchi- franchise. Now, the first movie he did, The Curse of La Llorona, I was practically laughing during. So that film wasn't scary at all, did not work. He also did uh, The Conjuring 3, also known as The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, that, I think, has been his strongest movie so far. And this one was a bit weaker. There were a couple of things in this movie as well that I thought didn't work at all in terms of scare factor and actually took me out of the movie because they weren't scared as scary at all. Like there's this ghost boy child that appears who looks just like he got into like his mommy's makeup drawer and yeah. kind of threw a bunch of stuff on him. And then in the final act, there's this um, what can only be described as a goat man appears oh. and he just wasn't scary at all. He looked kind of kind of ridiculous and just pantless and I find it very distracting to be honest. Uh, and Sister Irene, I, I know she was yeah. in the first film like do, is she an exorcist or does she have a gun or powers or is there any particular reason why they send this nun against this demonic killing nun? Well I suppose well the whole idea in the first movie um, and you kind of get idea, an idea of what happened in the first film uh, thanks to you know there are some flashbacks and there is some dialogue in which okay. they explained what um, happened and everything so when she was young she initially like saw visions of this like uh, scary nun so that's established in the first film and she teams up with a priest um, in order to de- defeat the demonic nun and in this um, installment she teams up with another nun because as we heard in that clip unfortunately the priest is unavailable because he died. Because he died. Right, okay. Uh, uh, Sabrina says the first nun was a pile of steaming dung. Don't waste your time watching it. 
well, she probably wouldn't enjoy this one. <laughs> yeah. So we've, uh, we've, we've said uh, the price of admission there, Sabrina. If anyone out there uh, enjoyed the first nun, uh, please let us know. Uh, someone else says, Olin's Tart by Kinnegar is an apple-based beer. Tastes like Sidona. Beautiful. They also have Walla Walla, a rhubarb and ginger sour, but I'm not sure what that's like yet. Yeah, Kinnegar are doing some great okay. beers. They're doing some really good experimental stuff. They're really... Yeah, that does sound it too. Yeah. Uh, somebody else says, I watched Can You See Us on Netflix. I bawled. It's about albinism. Brilliant, but really sad. I haven't heard of that one, I've to be honest. I have heard of that yeah. one either. Could be an old one, of course, because, <laughs> you know, there's so many, uh, so many things on, on Netflix. Speaking of an old one, uh, Al Pacino's girlfriend <laughs> uh, um, is... Uh, the head, when By the way, Al Pacino's the old one there, not yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. the Okay, <laughs> she's very young. When, <laughs> yeah. when did they have the baby? They had the baby in June. A and little boy in June, and now she's five. Well, that for lasted, custody. didn't it? Yeah. Well, you see, this is the thing. It has. They're still together, but she has filed for like sole custody of the child, where he has like this giant, some type of giant legal custody. But basically, he would have an input in the education, the religion, and any medical treatment that will happen to the son. But. She's getting up in the middle of the night. <laughs> doing all the work. Right? Well, he's 83. He's so, 83. Is it, so they haven't split up. This is just no, a kind of a legal no, thing uh, where, look, he's going to yeah, kick the, the bucket. The couple have reported they haven't parted ways. That, that's right. The, that's the key thing here. Okay. Um, and she's filed for custody of, of the son who's three months old. And I guess, you know, at 83, I'm not sure how much of a help Al Pacino would be, really. I mean, he could be great. He could be great. Did you see the, the the Rolling Stones? They're on the telly yesterday. Yeah, she she actually dated. She were... she previously dated Mick Jagger. Probably. There you go. Mick, but what age is Mick Jagger? No, he's about he's eighty. Not... So he's like he's young by comparison. Obviously, well, seventy nine, eighty was what. He's, he's probably yeah. getting up at three, four in the morning to go to the loo every night. Uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. anyway, like yeah. you'd be on. Yeah, you'd be on the landing as it is, wandering around where where where's that crying coming from. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, so the girlfriend's 29. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, uh, Noor Alfala. And uh, she, uh, as I said, she's, you know, previously dated a lot of, you know, older um, yeah. frontmen of bands, Clint Eastwood. Is this correct? Pacino will have reasonable visitation rights, which would imply yes. they're not living in the same place. Uh, who knows? Uh, well, I'm, I'm guessing yeah, that, that means they're not living in the same place. <laughs> Uh, uh, really? Uh, okay, well, uh, you know. The, the documents, right, they detailed the conception of the child and she's called for him to cover legal expenses. Okay. But they are saying that they're still together. So maybe they're not living together. They're, you know, but they're still seeing one another. Okay, so the court documents detail the conception of yes. the child. yeah. That's a bit gross. I haven't uh, seen the court documents, no, now, by the way. But like, how, but, how does that work, I Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, but they did. They, they detailed we, the conception I, I, of the yeah. child. Oh, we went for dinner? <laughs> is it that kind of thing? I had one G&T too many. Isn't there, isn't there a point where there's well, yeah, certain information said, that's irrelevant? Yeah, I know, yeah. Is there, is there like, like, he must have felt it was relevant for these days. Yeah. He said he had to go and take a pill. I don't know why. We, we waited for an hour and a half and then... Uh, <laughs> it was a particularly long document. Yes, and, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine so, yeah. <laughs> Telephone book there. Uh, right, so, and and, uh, and this is, uh, now, is this being made, this Christopher Dow thing, is this being shot at the moment or have they, have they yeah, finished it? Because so, it does sound good, actually. Chris, yeah, it does. And, and some big names associated yeah. with because Christine Hendricks was in town this week and she's just been announced and set to star in Small Town Big Story, which has been created by Chris O'Dowd, also starring Paddy Considine. Um, and the Mad Men star, she put a picture on her Instagram saying, hello, Dublin, you know, as in she's arrived mm-hmm. in the city. Um, but it's um, 
the focus is on uh, when a Hollywood production company arrive in a small rural Irish town. It has been filmed at the moment. It's a six part series and it's set in a fictional town of Drumban. Um, and it, she plays um, an executive producer, Wendy Patterson, and she comes home to the Irish town with the US production crew. And um, it's start filming on location in Ireland. I'm not actually sure where, but uh, it's going to be on uh, Sky and now in the UK and um, in Ireland next year. And uh, yeah, it does sound very good. Okay, it does sound very good now. Where Yeah, they're not saying where they're shooting it, but, you know, my guess would be Roscommon. Because, uh, uh, you know, it's handy for the parents uh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it'd know. be nice to see it in the West. I don't know where it's in the West. We must I bet find you that out. Maybe yeah, I'll just Google it here and meet. Uh, if, any, if you're from the Roscommon area yeah, and you've seen, seen a lot Christine. of filming going on, uh, please let Christina us know. Christina Hendricks, let uh, us know, will, yeah. Will you ask the beer guy if there are any breweries in Ireland that have pump rooms so that one can visit and taste? Uh, as in a tasting room? Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite a number of them. A friend of mine was just down in Killarney and there's an amazing um, um, whole visitor centre with a tasting room for the Killarney Brewing Company. Uh, it's Killarney, Killarney Brewing and Distilling. Um, but yeah, um, if you are interested in visiting uh, uh, breweries uh, in Dublin, Maskells have a, a kind of a pizza um, bar beside the... Um, beside the uh, brewery. But if you're interested in visiting breweries, if you contact the brewery, they it, as as much as they possibly can, they love yeah. to uh, kind of accommodate people and uh, give hospitality and yeah. show around. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, Dave and Galway says, what speak no evil last week? Fantastic horror. Don't bother with the nun. Um, well, I typically don't watch horror, so I probably won't bother probably with that true. one either. <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody says they were shooting in Boyle yes. this morning. Yes, so yes, there you go. So, yeah. no, 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 we keep it <laughs> secret, Chris. No one will guess where we are. Uh, right, we are listening to Street Boyle closed off. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Right, so what's our second beer of the day? Second beer is Pinky and the Grain Hibiscus IPA. <laughs> so for, for people who don't watch Animaniacs, there's a, a cartoon called Pinky and the Brain, mm. uh, which is about two laboratory mice who uh, try to work out a plan to take over the world every uh, episode. And uh, they've done a play on that, so they've got really good uh, graphics on it with a kind of an owl with a very devious look and a, a slightly uh, m- maniacal um, uh, now, bird. Now, does that look like they've kind of adapted it or there might be a like a cease and desist letter coming <laughs> or for copyright I, infringement? I, I don't know, I think. Yeah. I think well, hopefully with the, 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 the sense of humour of the guys in Animania, they probably appreciate yes, the, yeah. the, the humour. But what, what you've got here, uh, IPA, it's that classic IPA strength, so it's an American IPA, uh, kind of really good uh, fruit, in, fruit in the Senate. Uh, 6.9%, so uh, quite oh, a bit okay. uh, richer. Um, but uh, with that, what it you've got... doesn't taste any stronger than the, the, the previous <laughs> one. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no. That's but, the lethal element of that. What they've done, they've done a really clever job of uh, getting all the IPA character into it and then really kind of uh, livening it up and making it more refreshing. Mm. Uh, so the hibiscus, first of all, gives a kind of a tart cram- cranberry-type flavour. Uh, the hops from the IPA give you a kind of a tangerine, mandarin, orange, tropical fruit uh, flavour. There's a floral character coming across it, hibiscus. Um, I don't think I, I mentioned already is a, a flowering plant. So it's a, a kind of a pink flowering plant uh, that they're using as the uh, unusual ingredient in the in the beer. Um, and then you've got 
the kind of base IPA now for the um, for the grains for the base IPA, they've used malt and rice. Uh, rice is something that's quite clever to lighten up a beer. It gives a kind of a soft rice oh. sweetness. So if you think of the rice cakes aren't particularly sweet, but if you if you think of the type of sweetness that you get if you bite into a rice cake, um, you know it's kind of a soft. Uh, you know it's not a, as as rich and uh, full on as a kind of a saccharine sweetness. It's a much softer sweetness. So they've uh, softened down the malt flavour in it. Um, they've got the fruit flavour from the uh, hops and the fermentation. And then the hibiscus uh, brings in a kind of a tart element to it that lightens it up. Uh, there's a certain amount of uh, pepperiness and spiciness. So you've mm. got kind of white pepper, uh, nutmeg, a little bit of black pepper in it again, which uh, lifts up the, the body of it. And because they've got that kind of tartness and the pepper going on, uh, they can get away with reducing the bitterness from where it can be at an IPF levels. So yeah. um, for relative scales, Budweiser is at 810, but if it was any higher, it would taste incredibly bitter because there's very little other flavour there. Um, a, a kind of a lager, a European lager would be about 2025. 20, um, IPAs are typically between 40 and 70. And for an IPA of this strength, you'd be looking up around the 60, 70 level, but they brought it down to about 40. So that makes the the uh, bitterness just kind of a background balancing bitterness. Again, with this one, you've got a kind of a, a little bit of a party on the tongue. There's a li- little bit of kind of a sherbet character to it. And when you drink it, there's a little uh, aftertaste of kind of a, a buzzy experience between mm. the sartness and, yeah. and the, and the, the uh, spice flavours. But yeah, again, uh, unusual. It can, you know, it's kind of a, a Ilche are very um, creative brewers. They're trying to work out different ways of achieving flavours and, you know, kind of going things in, in different ways. So with the, the two beers, they've kind of got t- tart and fruity, but in two different directions coming out from two different ways. Yeah. Somebody says, ah, hibiscus, the epitome of what you'd think something pink would taste like, uh, which is probably <laughs> fair enough. And I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, Tony wants to know, can Dean tell us the name of the Dutch beer again, please, so I can write it down? <laughs> He means the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you um, tune in for the podcast and rewind yeah, back to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what we did. Seashore, sea yeah. salt, or, yeah. salt and sour peach gose. Okay, good man. And it's uh, Ilsjeer Brewing Company. Uh, and, uh, well, also, yeah, also uh, Dean put it on, uh, on Twitter as well, so yeah. you can kind of look, search for it there. Uh, right, uh, uh, Taylor Momsen. Now, you better explain who Taylor Momsen is anyway. But, okay, right. It's so she um, is in a band now, but she was in uh, this movie called The Grinch, yeah, which everybody knows. She played Cindy Lou. This is in the uh, Jim Carrey right, Grinch, yeah, not yeah. the animated one that's not as scary to kids. Yeah. Um, and she's spoken about the bullying that she received um, in after the movie, you know, back at school in normal life. <clears throat> in a recent interview, she said that everywhere she went, she was called the Grinch girl. Um so um, despite all that, she still loves the movie and she understands the lovely message that it brings to all ages. Um, but this this kind of uh, new revelation, if you want to say, came through in an interview that she did on Pod Crush, where she revealed, obviously, that she was teased. Um, and on the same podcast, she talked about being a childhood actress and, you know, how she was pressured into probably doing certain roles that her parents wanted her to do where her real love and passion lied with music. Um, and she's a lead singer of this rock band called yeah. The Reckless. She was in, um, I'm sure somebody will help me here now, she was in another series, um, like a teen drama series in America. Oh, that, that could be yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, yeah uh, blank faces you know, all around, uh, yeah. 
I can't remember, but let yeah. me Google. Okay. Um, so, no, so, somebody will yeah. text in, don't you worry. Something don't worry. girl. Gossip uh, yeah. girl. Gossip. Oh, right. She was in Gossip, Gossip girl. girl. Oh, right. Okay. Girl. That was a big one. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a big one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, it's just about uh, the fact that she was bullied after yeah. after the Grinch. We see the thing thought, you like, She was very young. She was like seven young. at the time. Yeah. And then you're going back into school and people just... Kids yeah, are cruel. They're cruel. Yeah. And she, had, but she was adorable in it. I know. Like she, she yeah, but you'd kind of have to ask the, the question if you're the, a parent and it's a seven year yeah, old, you're going, I, let's consider all the ramifications of mm, what, you know, the yeah. effect this might have on our uh, child. Uh, just in relation to the beer, uh, someone says health and safety with that beer. Hibiscus is poisonous to cats. Which is bad news because I was totally going to go home and bring this beer and, <laughs> uh, and give, it give it to the cat. Yes. Yes. Have you not beer festivals where they regularly feed horses with beer? And I'm told vets really? tell, yeah, the, um, uh, Thwaitesbury, which isn't operating anymore, they've sold the brand name. Uh, they had uh, dray horses and they would come out and, and give uh, some uh, beer to the horses. They loved it. It was because like, it's grain based. So, uh, thing and oh, yeah, that's what the horses were saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's grain based, lads. You know, so it's all right. Right, we'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. Here's a clip. Look at that view. This is beautiful. My dad grew up with all this. And no food. But he built a great life. He worked hard. Really hard. Let's not do that. We never came to Greece. We never took a real vacation. We should be having fun. Okay, so did they go to Greece for some other reason other than having fun? Uh, Yes, so they went to Greece uh, to fulfil her now deceased father's final wish, which was that he wrote this uh, journal as he was growing up in this Greek town and and he wants for her to now pass it on to uh, his friends that he wrote it about. However, when she and her family arrive in this town, they find that the place is absolutely deserted. A lot of people have moved out and moved on and moved all across the country. So part of the uh, film is all about getting everyone back together. Okay, all right. Yeah. And has the, the like the, the, the village itself suffered economically? Is that... Is that what they're saying? Um, I mean, they don't really get into all of that. There's a lot of like, like people just kind of randomly appear. Food, a lot of food actually just kind of randomly appears out of nowhere. So the (laughs) economics isn't really something that's of a concern here. Uh, There's also this kind of forbidden love between um, a local Greek and a local Syrian, which again, isn't really kind of, uh, you know, huge, you know, uh, point of like political concern because this is a forbidden love. But the whole fact that it's forbidden forbidden is like in its result often a matter of five minutes because Greeks can only marry Greeks which again where, goes back where, to the original movie, movie. <laughs> Is this set in the real world or like in sort of the 17th century No it's, or it's set in the real world in the yeah. contemporary world but okay. I mean that was what uh, you know the character of Tula had to face with in the first movie was that she wanted to marry an American her family were like right. no you must only marry a Greek so again it kind of ties back to the first movie and that's what we're okay, getting okay. it's kind of the same thing repeated again and again we even have like some of the same jokes um, for example they're talking about a Greek does this a Greek does that um, they kind of make fun about the fact that Ian is a vegetarian they were like how can you not eat meat uh, they talk about um, you know how every Greek, every word name a word any word and I'll tell you how that word was originally Greek you have that coming out again uh, so yeah it's kind of the same thing in all three movies and it's a shame you know because because I think that the first movie uh, from 2002 of my 
Big Fat Greek Wedding is such a gorgeous film. It's really got so much heart and so much humour in it. And often when you see those lists of like the greatest romantic comedies of all time, which I know is a bit of a thankless genre and not many people absolutely love romantic comedies, but often the original film comes out on top. And I think that's deservedly so. Uh, The second movie wasn't great. And I think that this film as well, it is quite conventional and it's a bit bland but these movies have made a huge amount of money uh, the first two films had a combined budget of 23 million and they managed to gross over 457 wow. million between okay. them so you can see why they made a third film right okay so do you think there'll be actually for both these films will there be yeah. a non three and will there be a Greek fat wedding I think that it'll kind of depend. But like I said, so far, these franchises have shown that they've been able to make uh, big returns. And as for my big fat Greek wedding three, you know, I think that there is an audience that's there. Like it's very like Mamma Mia-esque. I know that some people Mm -hmm. like those movies that you go to see and it almost feels like you're on holiday alongside with them, you know, and Greece does look absolutely gorgeous in this film. And it is a nice movie. It's just, it's just a bit dull. And fans of the franchise okay. will love returning to those characters <laughs> but, and all of that. But say, for instance, someone's to do as an elevator pitch. Okay, they go back to Greece, but this time there's this crazed killer nun who chases them around their <laughs> If only. Uh, they can't, <laughs> can't lose, really. Uh, dear Dean and Annette, thank you all very much. That's our lot uh, for today. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk.